Savage. What's going on, Savages? Welcome to another episode of the Savage Snowflake Podcast with me, Jeff Leach. How are you? It's great to be back. I feel like we're back in the swing of things properly now. Obviously, uh, last episode, that came after a couple of weeks out whilst I was traveling in New York and Las Vegas, performing in both of those places. Today's episode comes the day after Halloween, just to give you a little bit of a time reference and time frame. So last night I went dressed, I don't know if you can see the dregs of red makeup under my nails if you're watching this online on YouTube, um, but I went as a red balloon yesterday and uh, my lady went as Pennywise the Clown. It's, I spent a whole day making her outfit and then I put myself in a terrible uh, inflatable balloon outfit, but we looked hilarious together. I had a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed your Halloween as well. Um, thank you very much to our sponsors, of course, uh, and all of our patrons. If you are a patron, or if you're not a patron, sorry, head over to patreon.com slash savage snowflake. Uh, for as little as $1 a month, you can support this wonderful podcast. Keep it going. Keep getting these wonderful guests that I've been having on, like Jonah Rosa on the last episode, Seth Green a while back, etc., etc. Um, also, thank you very much to manscaped.com, refining the gentleman if you are a Hasute individual and you need a little bit of a trim up. You want to keep yourself fresh and hygienic and looking good for your ladies or your gentlemen. Make sure to head to manscaped.com. You can use code SAVAGE over there and you'll get 10% off every order. Uh, joining me today is a, a gentleman that I I met in New York City. We actually did Sherrod Small's Race Wars podcast together. We both appeared as guests on there with, I believe, who else were we on? Ann Coulter. We were with Ann Coulter. Yeah. Of course. The, the she spiced infamous, it up pretty good. She, the infamous Ann Coulter. Yes, yes. Yeah, there's a, there's a love. Hey, we, we can get into that in just a second. I should introduce you first. Now, his name is Judge Herb uh, Dodal. Dodell. And, oh, Dodell. I pronounced it incorrectly. I apologize. Sorry, sir. Uh, and, and he's written this book, From the Trench to the Bench, which is navigating the legal system and finding your spiritual path along the way. Uh, and I haven't had time to read it. It's a big read. There's a lot of information here. Uh, 360 well, something pages. M- much, of it are, have... much of it are really exhibits. They're not part of the book. Right. Uh, okay. Attachments. So it's, it's about 280 pages. It's, uh, I mean, it's, 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 is this uh, effectively a how to? for anyone who is trying to navigate the American legal system in this country and maybe doesn't necessarily have the money or the uh, the foresight to afford a uh, uh, an expensive lawyer like yourself. <laughs> well, the reality is that many people get caught up in the legal system and really don't know what to expect. It's And non-expectation and uncertainty leads to stress and anxiety. Absolutely. So people, when they get in the system... Number one, they know very little about the system. Right. So just a brief history. I was a former prosecutor, then a criminal defense lawyer, civil cases as well. And I was appointed as a judge pro tem in 2008. So I've been 10 years on the bench. Right. Retiring today. Today? Today. I'm oh, congratulations. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, I did 10 years. What are you going to do with your, with, your, with your free time now? Oh, I'm going to be in mediation. In mediation. I'm going to be a mediator. I was trained as a mediator, and in the court system, I was really settling a lot of cases, as a matter of fact. When I was assigned to particular courts, I was very effective at the settlement part, and I realized one day, you know what? If you're a mediator, you're really just trying to help people. Absolutely. You're just putting well, you both like sides together. You would like to think so, right? Well, you take, you take the ego out of the issues as best you can, and once you do that and you get into the sense of reality and somebody who's experienced in the field is telling you this is what you could reasonably expect, that's very, very valuable. And that's why I wrote the book, because I wanted the public to get a real sense, 
number one, learning what the system really is from the inside. Because people don't know how it works from the inside. I, trust Absolutely me. Not. Yeah. Is, it, this is you We know, barely understand how it works from the outside, I think. Well, what right I did on. is I put a chapter on how to pick a lawyer. Because there's lots of ways to pick a lawyer, and it's not just looking at the back of the bus or, or somebody's big billboard, you know. So the it, object is to number it, one. Inform it really you. works your way through. I mean, I'm looking at just even just the 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 menu of contents. It really does have very uh, very defined and very uh, very clear outline segments you know so well, oh, okay i'm being harassed threatened or seeking a restraining order what do i do i'm being sued what do i do i found a good lawyer what's next you know uh judge or jury which way to go landlords tenants it really has everything contract disputes it's it's it feels like it's a it's a 101 for somebody said it's any like of law your for legal the dummies needs. you know it's what sorry like law for the dummies i like that law but, for dummies yeah uh, but the reality is i wrote it with the idea of taking out all the technicalities right and putting it in simple layperson's language yeah because when lawyers are talking lawyerese of course the public has no clue what it really means and so i anytime that, i have that a part of the flamboyance of the the industry well though, yeah look is, it's good marketing because yeah. if you're unique and you have a special talent People are going to look for you. Especially so it's if about you marketing. understand something they don't, that's why they pay you, you know, the extortionate rates that well, a lot of lawyers can but, afford to charge. But you know? that, that only works in certain circumstances because they're, I tell you about contracts that with lawyers in the book. You know, when you're taking a lawyer, here's the kind of arrangements that are general or customary and this is what can be done. This is what you ask for. This is what you expect, et cetera, et cetera. And that's a, kind of like I say law for the dummies yeah but I wanted to do it in a way that would be uh, not only informative and entertaining but have some meaning and so I used real cases either cases that I was a lawyer on before I was appointed or Mm -hmm. even after and the cases that I decided as a as a bench officer and so I use all those cases as illustrations because if it happened to somebody else it could happen to you absolutely and most people have no real clue as to what to expect when they're when they're sued or they have to sue somebody. And if you have a nine thousand dollar claim in California, are there alternative ways and methods for you to to get relief? Yes, the answer is small claims court. Right. I decided over ten thousand cases. That's necessarily decided. A lot of them were just continuances and things like that. But sure. I heard over you about ten thousand. Yeah. 10, well, that, that's true. They're on my calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, over 10,000 cases. So I figured, well, with all the experience, I could help the public more by being a mediator. That makes you an expert officially now, doesn't it? Is it don't you have to do 10,000 hours of something to be considered an expert? So after 10,000 cases, I think the same thing applies. Yeah, 10,000 performances of stand-up comedy should make me a master of the craft. I'm not sure if I'm there yet. I don't think I've done 10,000 shows. However, but it's not, it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. Oh, well, that's, I mean, you've never it's seen my same, stand-up. It's it the be. same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when I was writing it, I didn't want to be overly cynical of the profession. Sure. But I wanted to tell the truth, you know, how it really works. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Do you think the uh, American, American legal system is, uh, is broken? And that's an incredibly general question. But do you, do you, do you well, think Well, broken the, is a very bad term. I mean, right. there are degrees of everything. Is it perfect? Definitely not. I mean, people want to know who are the judges? How do they get there? You know, do you inherit the job? Uh, do you get appointed? Do you get elected? Who pays you? Mm-hmm. you know, all of, 
people want to know that. They, they have no clue how it really works and how some of those people end up on the bench. Well, we look at the, the recent, you know, the appointment of Brett Kavanaugh. Um, you know, even even that was people were up in arms because they're saying, well, you know, there's a, there's there's a question as to the morality or the ethical and moral um, standing of this gentleman right now, and yet he can still be appointed to one of the most powerful legal pr- um, positions in this country. It's going to be even more powerful in the next year. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are brewing. In fact, you don't know, have a radio show of my own. It's called For the People. Okay, on KCAA Radio, and uh, we uh, talk about all of these issues that are that are that are coming up, mm-hmm. and that's what we're doing right now. So it's a very interesting time. And Kavanaugh, the big issue with Kavanaugh wasn't whether he was for Roe versus Wade, even though they made it look that way. The big issue is how far can a president go uh, in terms of exercising the president's obligations under the Constitution, and he gave the right answers according to the Federalist Society which supports mainly conservative candidates. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to be in a position, they're going to be deciding constitutional issues now that are first impression, that deal with the expansion or reduction of freedom and constitutional rights, powers of the president, separation of powers, mm-hmm. discovery. All these issues are coming up. We saw the first of what will probably be many uh, last week in a case that the federal district court judge in Washington decided that basically uh, uh, crystallizes what's going on now with regard to an impeachment. Is it an impeachment? Is it a proceeding? Is it whatever it is to fit into somebody's definition of what belongs there? And not, not necessarily true. Those are untested p- principles at the moment. And it's very s- simple to see that uh, this group... That's at the Supreme Court level right now. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the ultimate determinant as to uh, what's going to happen with regard to the operation of our democracy. It's a serious time right I'm now. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, as, a, as a, you know, as an, an immigrant in this country, however, you know, green card and legal I am, I have very little understanding of the American legal system. In fact, I think like most people, which is why you've written this book for people like me, um, I have very little understanding of uh, of the legal system in my own country as well, like I, I think most Americans do. Um, but it seems to be, as as an outside observer, maybe as an objective observer, America has always presented itself as the land of the free, the land of the brave, where you know where everyone gets a voice, everyone has a, gets their fair trial, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then when it comes to viewing how the upper echelons of governance in this country, um, are elected, are uh, are voted in or out. It seems very murky. Well, Lovey, you asked the question before if I thought the system was broken. Sure. It's broken in many ways because as a general rule, and I speak only in generalities, okay. nothing is supported by statistical numbers. Understood. To, to, you could see, you could say he's Look quoting that. something. Telly's, Telly's a top-class lawyer. He's covering himself already. Well... <laughs> But in general terms, the haves will beat the have-nots most of the time. Right. Uh, why is that? Because, number one, they have the financial clout to wait it out. They can get the high-end lawyers who are going to beat up on the lower-end lawyers. Mm-hmm. They make people spend money that they don't have. They know how to work the system. Right. So those are the haves. So what rights do the have-nots have? Well, one of the things they wanted to do in writing the book was to give the have-nots some of the 
I call it tips, I suppose, or examples or guidelines that might work for them. Right. Like I was, I was assigned to to restraining order court for almost between five and six years. I remember. Well, yeah, we talked about it on race. I mean, so I like. heard some great, great stories. Yeah. But that's all ego, and you can resolve a lot of issues uh, if you reduce the ego. And so what I thought I would do in writing the book was try to show you, show the public, what you really need to consider and think about in more indirect terms, more spiritual terms, because that dictates the outcome of many of your cases. Right. It's, it's your own consciousness of what you are or who you are and why you're doing it and why is it happening to you. You know, most judges or lawyers don't approach subjects that way. I did it from my own spiritual perspective. And I added that in, in various that places. Do you makes you quite unique within the legal system here? Or do you think I, there's, I, there, well, are there a lot unique, of judges and lawyers well, who you work know, from I, a spiritual basis? I think there's a mixture of, of all. Uh, that's one of the problems with the system is, and I always used to ask clients in, in the beginning, who's your judge? Oh, I don't know. I said, that's right. You don't know. And uh, who's your jury going to be in? Who's going to be in that jury? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I said, that's right. You don't know. You could have the worst judge, and there are plenty of those. Trust me, and I know from the inside. Yeah. For reasons I also discuss in the book Name somewhat. Name and shame. Name but, and shame. But the bottom line is some great, great judges. Yeah. And some shouldn't be there to begin with. They're there for the wrong reasons and exercise power in, a, in any appropriate way. And there's so much discretion involved in the system that rarely ever does it get uh, appealed. Right. Because you could only appeal an abuse of discretion if the judge acted arbitrarily and capriciously. And generally, the judges know enough to make it appear that they gave it a serious consideration. Absolutely. So you don't know who you're going to get. If these people have been, however morally or ethically skewed they may be, some of them may be in the, in that position for the wrong reasons like you said oh they're oh. also intelligent enough to have got appointed to that position so no that's not I'm so sure they're not going to no, cover no, their no, tracks no 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 that's not so there no? are some there are some judges that are really dummies the book should be written for them <laughs> how does a dummy get oh, made a judge in the american legal well, system in, in, at least in california there, oh, yeah. there are three ways okay way number one get appointed by the governor right who probably doesn't know who you are but somebody in the organization knows who you are because you made a contribution. So a whisper in the right ear and, leads to you. you know, and it's a, it's a who do you know. Okay. And there's lots of people applying for it. So the people are getting it after they do a, a vetting of those people. Uh, and I'm not so sure that the vetting is that deep to begin with. Right. But whatever, it's it's a process. There's a, there's a committee that uh, evaluates these judge applicants. Mm-hmm. You got to pass that committee. Uh, but generally, the governor appoints you, and you're now a full-time judge. Second way is election. And in almost every election that I can remember, there are open spots. Somebody's retired, somebody's died, and so there's a spot open, and it's like a superior court number 14. So everybody who wants that job runs for it. They raise money, and they run a campaign, and... Nobody ever knows who any of them are. They always list themselves as like gang prosecutors. They, whatever it is, you look at the ballot, it's just a bunch of names, right? Yeah. But I'm assuming you have to have at least a level of 
legal knowledge or experience. Yeah, you have to be a member of the bar. You have to be a member of the bar and yeah. be licensed for. Right. See, they can't be that But they stupid, don't. But, they? but you don't know anything about these people. No, absolutely You see not, three lines on a ballot, you sure, know, and sure. so, so they get elected, right? The third way was the way I did it was a friend of mine recommended me. You slept with the right person. No. Oh, no. okay. And if you knew him, you would absolutely know it wouldn't be true under any circumstance. <laughs> the fact of the matter is that. You shared a little thigh in court. He, 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 <laughs> we were having lunch one day and, uh, and he was complaining that uh, in his court, he was a judge, is a judge, that uh, they're overwhelmed because there was not enough money in the budget Right. to bring in additional people. This is 2008. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I said, well, what can I do? He said, if you volunteer then, and we don't have to pay you, I'll get you appointed as a judge pro tem, meaning part-time, so you're not working 40-hour weeks. Sure, sure. And you go by way of assignments. They send you to various courts to preside in those courts after you qualify. Then you have to take an educational course and whatever, and then the presiding judge of that district appoints you. And that's how you get appointed, usually for three years. Right. And every three years, you got to kind of re, reapply or send in a little note or whatever, and you get reappointed. And so I was appointed over a 10-year period, and that's the third way of doing it. No political involvement, no monetary involvement. I have no financial agenda whatsoever. I don't get paid. Uh, and I've devoted a fair amount of time to doing it because I love it. And now I want to do it for the You're purpose a of the public. Socialist. No, I'm You're no, a bloody no, socialist. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a moderate capitalist. Hey, well, capitalism. Look, I'm, I mean, I'm glad you brought that because I, 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 I feel the way, the same way about this. If I can, if I can dilute, and again, I'm going to talk in generalizations, and probably from a very uneducated standpoint. So please forgive me. If you think that people have already passed the bar are stupid, some of them are dummies, then you're probably going to think I'm an absolute moron. However, I will still make my point. When I look at the history of this country, the reason I ask is the system broken is I feel like this is A, not a country. I don't think America is a country. I think it's a business. It operates like a business in every facet of what it is. <clears throat> and I think that's because it was... Um, birthed upon three major tenets, which was the pilgrims, the fanatical pilgrims who came from Europe who decided that the Pope was too lenient and that Catholicism had lost its way and that they wanted to find a new world where they could establish the hardline fanatical religious beliefs that they, um, that they uh, you know, apply themselves to. So they came over on the ships. Obviously, slave owners who were annoyed that, you know, Europe had start, had abolished slavery. So there were people who wanted to continue that practice in a, in a new land where they could make their own rules. And then obviously capitalism, you know, the capitalists. And the, 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 the format for capitalism, you know, Adam Smith's book, is he very clearly outlines a particular part in it that this formula for the success of capitalism as a concept will only succeed... If the governance of the country is established in is solely concerned with the safety, well-being and rights of the people of that country. So you can certainly have this this market where independent businesses can flourish and big money can, can, can be, big wealth can be generated amongst most people. But you have to have a governance that is solely concerned, not with business, not with the money, not with the monetary wealth, but with the rights and... Uh, fair treatment of the people of that, the citizens of that country. And of course, in America, 
when everyone came across the, you know, was they're building um, train tracks across the country and they're starting to establish towns, etc., etc. The people who were in governance were the capitalist businessmen who were solely concerned on their own profits. So you have a completely lopsided formula, which is why I think now we're facing the reality of uh, a rapidly diminishing middle class. I don't know if it barely exists in this country anymore. Um, And they're certainly under a huge amount of strain and pressure, similar to England. Um, More and more people who are fixated on immediate... Um, uh, financial gain in small ways like oh I have a brand new pair of trainers look at me I'm making goods or I have a new car that I'm leasing isn't that a symbol that I'm doing well but they'll never own a property you know generation Z now never own a property never really um, build themselves up any kind of sense of um, um, I guess not, not, not. It's, it's not about making money, but it's about like my parents would own a house. You own a house, and then you pass it on to your children. That concept is almost dying out now. And then you have an incredibly wealthy top one percent who seem to be uh, getting away with not paying any tax to the country in which they 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 operate their businesses. So, it, I, 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 as an outside observer, I feel desperately um, happy to meet someone like you. But also, very, I feel very uh, frustrated on your behalf because it must be difficult to want to operate the concept of law in this country in a morally and ethically and, in your case, spiritually um, positive manner when you're facing a country that seems to be a broken capitalist formulaic um, very much top one percent focused, and I think deeply, um, deeply, deeply broken legal system. It's hard to operate with. Well, that. but there are remedies for people who are in the middle. Poor people generally don't get involved in much of the system, other than getting arrested, or welfare issues, or landlord tenant issues, or things that would not necessarily be concerning I guess to the I'm rich person. Poor then. Well, well, I've been, I've been arrested in this country. But by the way, I, I also have a couple of chapters in the book on criminal law. People who get arrested at three o'clock in the morning. What do you do? Okay. Who do you talk to? What, what, what's your obligation? Right. What is your risk? Do I need a lawyer? I do a whole chapter on that. Is there I, anything in here for immigrants who get arrested at three in the morning? No, that, but I'm in the, that was in, my the issue. Rever, in, in, in the revised version. Maybe I'll include it. Thank you. Appreciate but, it. What you, what you say, and I can see how passionate you are about it. Uh, is accurate to a large degree. But if you look back even to the Eisenhower years, for right. those of you who remember who Eisenhower was, uh, I think he was he that described it as a military-industrial complex. And the fact of the matter is that there are some people that are really running this world, and they're the people with the money. Absolutely. You know, Which I think uh, now, so that, collectively, as a, as a global populace, we're more and more aware of that now. We're more yeah, but it's, it, there's a danger, too, in, in the quick expansion of the uh, instantaneous nature of, of information today. Would you like your water, by the way? Uh, no, I'm okay, Okay, thanks. no worries. If you want to let me know and I'll go and grab the it. The reality is that uh, there are a lot of competing interests. And what you describe is one end of the pole, and then you hear the other side at the other end of the pole. But there should be some place in the middle that you might refer to as a gray area sure. where... Some or a happy legitimate medium. medium works. Yeah. And that was another reason why I was going into mediation. 
is because people, if they sit down and they can take out the ego, what's ego? Greed, mm-hmm. revenge, insecurity, power. You you name those, and none of them are any good. And if that's your motivation for being in anything, you are becoming the cause of what ultimately will result in an effect. And if your cause is that was done by taking for yourself at the expense of others or exhibiting those kinds of egotistical impulses, uh, then at the end of the day, someday, somewhere, you're going to pay it back because that's the ultimate of cause and effect. You, you, if you said the right kind of energy, the right kind of message that you're doing the right thing mm-hmm. for the right reason, and that includes compromise, well, then you attract a very positive energy and you're in the right place at the right time. Things do not happen by accident. Everything is predetermined and you determine it. So from my perspective and looking at it as a judge, I was looking at it, I made a real effort, real effort to resolve cases with people who were in dispute. And it didn't matter whether it was a small claims court where I was for many, many years mm-hmm. uh, or it was restraining orders or it was just landlords and tenants. And to answer your question about representation, it makes a big difference. But lawyers, different lawyers will work on different bases. Uh, Personal injury lawyers are on a percentage basis. You don't pay anything. But you want to know that the lawyer is going to pay the costs. What if the lawyer can't pay the costs? Yep. Where are you? You know, so these are things you want to know when you're going to talk to a lawyer. A lot of people get injured in America. I can only judge it by every time I go to Vegas to do shows there. Every other billboard is for injury law, injury law, injury law. Look, there's big money in injury, personal injury law, because you're getting a piece of the action. And the problem, there is a problem with contingency fee law situations, but people never think of it. But I tell you in the book why I know that uh, sometimes contingency deals are not so good for you. Right. But it looks great on its face. And there are ways to adjust those so that you don't have to be gambling everything and giving away the, the ship at the same time. But the, the reality is, and, and I'll tell you it, 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 just a quick sentence, contingency lawyers have one goal, settle them quickly, because quickly means less overhead, less expense. And so the quicker they get them, the less money they have to spend, the greater the profit. And so they will tell the clients many times, you know, Harry, there's a problem with the case. You know, and they'll find something that we should really, may we should or may, really accept. We really should, terms, that's yeah. exactly right. And a lot of those cases settle for far less than they're really worth. Wow. And I, I saw it even in small claims court cases where the lawyers abandon the clients and they're in small claims court. And uh, it's it's amazing what goes on in the, in the system. Now, hourly lawyers have another motivation. They want to keep it open as long as they can keep it open. Oh, I've got I've got some lawyers for a CBD company that I own with a, a business partner, and I was very naive to the uh, you know the world of corporate law. And uh, every time I get an email response, I didn't realize that every single email that's sent to me is billed. That's a billable twelve seconds of well, that, that that's, lawyer's life. You know, we, 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 it's the mantra in that world, which is called billable hours, billable time. Sure. In fact, if you look, and I talk in the book about how lawyers work their way up in the firms and how the firms work. Uh, the lawyer comes in and the management of the law firm expects that lawyer, he or she is going to work 2,400 hours a year. Yeah. 
you got to bill twenty four hundred dollars a year because they're paying you X and they're billing you out at three times X, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. literally three times X, sometimes even more. And so the big money is made on the on the work of the associates. Right. But what are you getting when you're getting one of these associates? Sometimes six months out of law school. I mean, the, the big firms. You go to the some of the big firms, and you look at all the artwork on the walls and look out the windows at the view of the ocean. Who do you think is paying for that? Yeah. You are. And so a friend of mine was a defense lawyer, and we all got along very well. I did some defense at one time as well. Okay. Uh, said that among the firms, it's uh, you can't bill a closed file. Meaning once you finish it, you're waiting for the next piece of business. Sure. And so yeah. they want to keep them open as long as they can keep them open. You oh, know? yeah. No, I've experienced Well, that. you know, the case is really better than we thought, and, <laughs> and all of a sudden you... We other should, side of the mouth. Have you come in so we can discuss it? Yeah, you should really come oh, in so we can have Oh, the dialogue, the, the dialogue is remarkable. I just, I don't even reply to, <laughs> to the emails from my lawyer anymore because I'm terrified if I even say anything that warrants a response. That's another but, 150 but, bucks, you but, know? But, but on the other hand, the worst part of practicing law is dealing with the clients. Right. For the same ego issues, the expectations, the, all, all, all of that. Not rectified and, this yet. And, you, and, and somehow you rarely, rarely uh, get recognized for the quality of the work. And a lot of lawyers work very, very hard. When I was practicing full time, I put in long, long hours till one, two o'clock in the morning every morning. Yeah. And so there are a lot of good, hardworking lawyers who are honorable. You're like a stand up comedian, Joe. Well,. Sometimes I feel like I was doing that. In fact, I was criticized once. Uh, and one of the administrators of the court came in to see me after we had done the calendar for the day. Yeah. And she says, you know, you, this is not a place for humor. We didn't appoint Judge Judy. because I was doing small claims. Court. I was trying to make it human, you know. Mm-hmm. Because people go there, they're nervous. Sure. And I try to make them as comfortable as I can. Somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. And I try to push them into settlement by telling them, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Mm-hmm. Why take a chance? You know, and uh, that was, I put the story in the book, as a matter of fact, which is illustrative of what I'm talking about. I had a case in front of me where a family was suing a private school for return of a tuition. And but you was, did do 10 tight minutes on school shootings during that whole I proceeding, did didn't you? Like you, were, you wrote a whole set list and did the whole thing. I mean, it was a little over the top, Judge. Uh, well, <laughs> whatever. Sweet. I had a, I had a great. On. Is he, is he making a serious no, point? Or is he just no, no, but I, but I got to tell you something. It was it was probably among the careers that I've had because I started as an entertainment lawyer. Right. Uh, it was the most rewarding. That must have been tiring. <laughs> that must I have gave been. it up finally because I got tired of the three o'clock yeah, yeah. in the morning I was phone surprised. calls. But the reality was that uh, is that of all the jobs and careers, being a judge was the best. Absolutely the best. I felt fulfilled at the end of the day. Uh, I felt that I did the right thing. Is this what and you always wanted to go into? No, I, I was offered the full-time judge position many times. And I said I wasn't really interested in doing it. Right. You know, the pay isn't that great. And what you get is the perks. Robes are itchy. No, robes are heavy. Heavy. I got yeah. a very, I have a very light, my kids bought it for me. Right. Very, very lightweight. You don't you want got, to. You got a special one made? Yeah. Nice, I like that. But, a couple of little hidden pockets inside of it. But the pockets don't have pockets. They actually go right into your pants. Oh, there you go. It's like a little slit on the side. I like that. But in fact, we didn't wear them except when you had to do it in, in the courtroom. 
you're not wearing it in chambers or anything. Have you ever broken yeah. the law? It depends on what your definition is. <laughs> Are you talking about the statutory, the spiritual, or the physical law? Wow. Or, or, I mean, and be more goodness, specific. Talk about, um, I mean, like, I'm always intrigued to know if, you know, because you are, you're, you're human. And, and also, the, clearly, um, being human and the humanity that you would like to uh, show as a good man, you also like to show as a good judge. However, as a human, you're fallible and you're, you know, you're, I'm sure, guilty of your own emotional responses to things. You ever been, you know, given the old finger and cut someone up and hit the side of the car? You ever, you ever done anything that's landed you in a jail cell or with a ticket? You ever had to go up in front Tra- of a judge uh, yourself? Uh, oh, traffic court. I was in traffic court a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, uh, when I took the appointment, I said, I'm not doing traffic court. Right. I, I, I was determined I'm not doing traffic court. I've been in small claims court both, on both sides. Okay. Uh, and just as the public knows, there are no lawyers in small claims court yeah. unless you're a party. So I've been a party, even chasing fees that people didn't pay or or the gardener, whatever whatever it was. Right. And, uh, but I mean, that's, and on both sides. That's pretty good to be a lo- have, to have a legal trade. Makes a difference. Then, but yeah, absolutely. It, it, does, it does because I, I, I had many cases where I would have ruled differently had they raised it as part of their cases. They didn't realize. And here's a story, and it's a it's really a tragic story, you know, in a way, true story. Okay. This was a case that was before me. The uh, it was a case where the owner of a residential property was seeking to evict, the, the, you know, the owner. Okay. The owner was a nationally known, probably internationally known NBA basketball player. Right. Serious star, the rings, the whole deal, mm-hmm. and uh, he had bought a house for seven million dollars in a very ritzy neighborhood, and. Uh, I guess he fell upon hard times after he retired. I don't know what he did, but Probably I was spending it all on G wagons. No, no, he was not that kind of guy. Don't very, most most major. No, this guy was a very legitimate guy. Really, I knew his reputation. But did he invest his money wisely? I mean, I didn't. I didn't get into that. But the point oh, okay. was, I read his papers. He was not represented by a lawyer. Right. And the, the bank was there with their two lawyers, and they wanted to take over, foreclose, and out he goes. So I'm reading the papers and I'm saying to myself, he raises an interesting fact, but he doesn't develop it. And I said to myself, he's got a potential defense here. He doesn't know it. And I'm not allowed by law to give advice to either party for obvious reasons. And I'm looking at him and saying, this guy, if he has a smart lawyer, and I was certified and trained in uh, landlord-tenant, so I knew pretty much where we were going with this. And I said, you want more time to get a lawyer? Because I'm inclined right now to grant a writ of possession. And I'll give you two weeks. I'll stay in the execution of the writ. Which so you gave, him a, you gave him a little uh, an opportunity. I, I, I tried. A little, I tried. a little nudge I in the right no, direction. But I didn't. I couldn't tell him what he had or why sure, he was sure, doing sure. it. But you gave him at least a sense, hey, two weeks I'm later, suggesting a, law, a lawyer might be beneficial for you. Two weeks later, he's back. No lawyer. I read the amended papers. Not there. 
not there. And so uh, basically I issued the writ and he was probably evicted, but he's waited outside of the courthouse when I came out that afternoon and he wanted to talk to me. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I can't speak with you because I cannot have what they call ex parte communications. Both sides have to be present at the same time. So I really can't have any conversation with you. I'm sorry. And uh, I said, but I'll give you one recommendation. Go see a lawyer. That's it. Yeah. I, I don't know whatever happened, but uh, there's a perfect example with the haves beat the have-nots. Yeah. Even though he was a have-not, well, was always a have-not. He was a have-not at the time of, the, of, the, of this event. And I saw a lot of that happening. And that was another reason I wrote the book. Because people, if you know what the law is, even it doesn't have to be academic. You don't have to go through all the details to be good, just to have basic knowledge, simple knowledge, general knowledge. You're going to be better prepared for what's going to come come your way Absolutely. down the road and what to bring up with your lawyers too. You know, if, the, if that lawyer knows you're not going to win, they have an obligation to tell you that. How many times are they going to think they're going to tell you that? Not okay. many. Yeah. And so the reality is if you have some general basic knowledge, then you're better prepared and you're better armed. And so I saw so many unrepresented people. I said to myself, you know, they, they really need to know enough to get there. A reference, mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. something that you can pick up and say and read in 15 minutes. It's a hell of a lot better than spending hundreds or thousands of dollars with a lawyer who's going to tell you the same thing at the end of the day. Exactly. Or so, Googling, Googling it and reading it on a blog that some lunatic has written, you know, rather than... Well, rather than someone with uh, how many years of uh, legal experience? Well, uh, enough. Uh, but the bottom line was, my motive in doing it is, is basically, you can read it on the back of the, of the book, uh, is to help the public uh, navigate the system, do it in the right way, and More than half the results will be better. Yeah, it was. Over 50 years. Ago. Yeah. Um, how did you end up in the legal profession? What was, what was, uh, what was, what was young Herb like? Because you're, you're, I, I, I like, people watching the video. They I was taller. Said, you're a more, you're an elderly gentleman. You're in your, how old are you now? 80. 80 years of age. Okay. So 80 years of age. Wow. You've seen a lot of change in this country. I first have. of all. And a lot of change in the legal system, I imagine, over the course of the 50 plus years that you've been operating within it. Um, what was, uh, what was a youngster, Herb? Well, in the introduction like, to the book... Uh, I tell it all in one sentence. When I was a kid, like five years old, all my relatives said I had to be a lawyer because I had a big mouth and I liked to argue. <laughs> That's what they told me. And so I, it was destined, at that moment, I was destined to, to do That was it. And I really never uh, varied. I was in law enforcement and I was also in, involved in entertainment stuff, which is not really lawyer. It's more business, what more negotiation. law enforcement? Were you a... a Police officer for a while? No, I was a deputy district attorney. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, and yeah, yeah. and uh, I had worked my way through uh, law school right. and doing internal security for a corporate company. Mm -hmm. And so I was there. As not, I wasn't licensed at the time, but I was, it was basically fraud investigations. So I had some experience with warrants and things like that. Right. And uh, uh, entertainment, I just kind of fell into that. And... Uh, was in the right place at the right time for the things to happen. Yeah. And I got pretty far, actually. And then decided I was, I was tired of all of the entertainment stuff. And What would 
tire you about dealing with egos in Hollywood? How on earth would that be frustrating? <laughs> you know what? I, I think I would have handled it better before uh, than I would have handled it now. Really? I would have handled it differently, I should say. Uh, differently now? Definitely. Oh, definitely now. What, more dismissive now? Or? No, more accepting of the reality and what people's motivations are and how to deal with them in a, as less controversial or adversarial method as you can. And you, sure. can, and you can do that if you have the right attitude. And that's what I talk about cause and effect in the book and things like that. Uh, you know, there's, there's two forms of energies, positive and negative. Which mm-hmm. one do you want to connect to? You want to connect to the uh, negative energy? Just do all of the ego tricks. Oh, I did, I did a good 20 or more years of connecting to the negative energy in my life. And I found it very, very tiring, you know, and very, um, yeah, incredibly tiring. And I finally now in the last few years, you know, with a move to California and trying to do various things for my body and my mind that make me feel a lot more positive, like no drinking. I gave up drinking four months ago and just small things, you know, that have now had a, a huge impact on how I view situations. You, know? you will. One of the things about compromise is... Most of the time, both parties feel they didn't get a good deal. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the ultimate resolutions of most of these cases, and I, can I have time to tell one story? Absolutely, yeah. We've uh, got, we got another 15 minutes. Oh, okay. This is, this is another true story. Uh, I was sitting in, uh, I'm not sure if it was small claims court or UD court, but there was a, a case before me where a lady was suing her former boyfriend, right. young woman suing her boyfriend. They had been living together, mm-hmm. and one day he upped and left. Left her with the obligations on the lease. Right, okay. So I found out, of course, I asked. Both parties were present. Uh, was there a written lease? So I looked at it. They both were signatories. So he's So I said to him, I said to him, he had... He had kind of waltzed away. I said to him, you know what? If I find against you, you will have a record of this. Not, not a criminal record, but there'll be a judgment against you. And if you're looking for work or something like that, they, they look up at your score and they see a judgment against you for A, B, C, D, and E, and F, and G, uh, it might affect you. Number, number two, she could immediately start to collect that judgment by doing a variety of things that are available. I can't explain them to you, but you talk to any lawyer or look it up and you'll see that she could make it difficult for you right. in a number of different ways, including taking your bank account. Mm-hmm. You don't want that to happen. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to suggest to you, the plaintiff, that you make an agreement with him that he can pay it out over time. And the court will retain jurisdiction to enforce the terms of your settlement. Okay. Yep. So, but I will dismiss the case, meaning he has no record against him. And uh, if he makes all the payments, you're done. And you'll be assured you'll get money every month as opposed to trying to chase it, find out where his bank account is or whatever the method you're trying to trying use. Trying to locate the funds. Yeah, it, but you have to agree to, to this agreement because I'm now structuring the payment schedule for you. Sure, you're not sure. getting all your money or judgment right now. And she hesitated and hesitated. I said, you know what? You, you don't want to do this where you get a judgment against the guy and win his credit. It was what it was. You know, forget about the feelings you have about it and do the right thing. She says, okay. 
So bottom line is they and all then walked. You took her out for dinner. <laughs> she was way too young. <laughs> Probably even too long for Jeff Epstein. Oh, good. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm only, I'm only. I was, I was really reaching for that. I was struggling with trying to find something that sounded clever. But the bottom, the bottom line was. Yeah, I can see you know, why they told you stop telling uh, jokes in court. <laughs> well, I was also told one time that I was. You're, giving, you're in the right place for that. No, so another, don't I, worry, don't no, worry. No, I was also told busy. one time that uh, I was taking too long with some of the cases. I said, "Am I getting my calendar done?" Yeah. You're taking these small claims court cases shouldn't take more than X minutes. I said, "You know what? I'm here to listen to the story. If it takes two X, that's what I'm here to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm not here to do a quick dispensation of Absolutely, justice." Yeah. They didn't like that, but whatever. Uh, look, I was reasonably priced. Yeah. You know, so, and covering some tough courts. And so the, by the bottom line was they, uh, they run the courtroom with some degree of formality. But the, the ultimate result was that this girl did the right thing. She didn't hurt him. Mm-hmm. She could have hurt him. Yeah. And by not hurting him, someday, somewhere, she will find the right situation is going to is a, is a payback. Absolutely. Uh, but if you, if you don't know impressed. that it's an I'm option. Impressed. No, no. If you don't know that it's an option for you in your life mm. and you don't do it and you continue to take from other people for your own benefit at their expense and you all day once something happens to you, you say this happened suddenly. No, you built it. Yeah. You built it because what you I did wish, in the I past, you, you know. I decided over every breakup I've ever had with a woman. Uh, I've, uh, I've never, I've never, never experienced... Um, especially in a serious thing. I, I, first of all, I've never had any financial issues with any ex-partners. You know, I've always paid my way and they've paid their way and for the most part. And, uh, and I, That's unique. Yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 when I say pay their way, I don't mean paid for dinner, but my current girlfriend, she does. But, um, but I, I also, I, I, I can't, when, as soon as you put emotion, it's so funny how even uh, when presented with the best advice and the best legal advice, and even uh, in a human way such as that, it's amazing how instantaneously women and men would just say, no, fuck them, you know? Because as soon as you wrap emotion into that, it's a very difficult, it's a very difficult sell to say, hey, this is not, this is going to be problematic and time-consuming and emotionally draining for both of you. Well, that's go, what I... Yeah, well, that's what I want. Fuck that person, you know. I, no, I, I can't tell you how many times I heard that, but the fact of the matter is... Divorce law must I t- be horrendous. Well, I, I was certified in that too, believe it or not. Wow. I didn't want to sit in that court, but they, they, they were doing domestic violence cases in, that, right, in family yeah. court, and the court I was in, which was basically harassment courts, stalking and cyberbullying sure, and yeah. stuff, serious stuff too junk some junk neighbors fighting with each other but some very serious cases uh and so i was certified in the family court mm-hmm. uh by taking the other course and taking the test sure and uh uh they decided not to do it so i stayed in restraining orders but i had the experience i said i don't i wouldn't want to be in family court i'd hate that court that court would be nothing more than people hating each other just think of the energy they're generating in that room you know, the people who once supposedly loved each other now hate each other. Oh. It's unbridled. Absolutely. And that they and they're mean about it. But it's all legal. I had a um I had an ex partner, um, who I you know, I've talked about in this podcast a number of times actually. I'm not I'm not you know, I've never really sort of hidden the fact, but she um when we broke up, she went out of her way to 
uh, try and ruin my 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 career in the UK. She wrote a, a, an expose um, for a tabloid newspaper. She presented it as, "Oh, I was just talking about stand-up material, most of which isn't about you. It's about my the father of my child because I, I raised her child from a, she had from a previous relationship for five years or four years." And um, she did this interview with a magazine that was running adverts for my TV show in it at the time. So it was very much a expose. They, she, they called it uh, comic two-timing. And she recounted stories about her ex-partner prior to me, the father of her child, and one story about me as stand-up comedy material. And they printed it as a tabloid story, as an expert. You know, oh, this she's just broken up with her partner jeff leach and it shows a photo of me holding her kid on a red carpet event it was very very upsetting and i phoned her up and i said what do i do with this like first of all you know it's exaggerated content because it's your comedy and so half of the things you're they've printed as facts about me are either not about me they're about your father of your child or they uh, are about me and you've changed the facts to suit comedy and so, therefore, they're printing them as factual things about me, which are damaging to my... You know, it's, it feels libelous. And um, I said, what do, you, what do you expect me to do in this situation? Do I sue you? Is that what I do now? And she said, ah, oh, you go ahead. You sue a single mother and see how that works out for you. See what story they write next. And she was... I was... I, I mean, I just... I obviously, like, took the... Uh, took the loss on that one and just went I just have to I guess I'll just ignore it and move on from it but that that really damaged my it really did damage my career for a while and I had a similar experience here with a with a young lady who was jilted this was a not even an ex-lover this was a a jilted a woman who wanted who propositioned me once at an event and I turned her down and then she uh went out of her way she kept that in her head and and then went out of her way to try and uh, ruin me later on on a, on a platform that I was on and I I always wonder in those situations especially in today's social climate um I'm a, under no aspersions that there aren't millions of horrendous pieces of shit men in the world who do terrible things to women but I do also wonder how many decent morally and ethically on point men um bother to go through the legal process to protect their name their industry their business their their uh, opportunity in the in life because some uh, an ex has just you know has decided oh i'm gonna fucking ruin well, there's, and they go well there's nothing i can do because i'm a big straight white dude who if you look at me from a distance everyone goes he's got no problems so you know whereas a single mother absolutely plays upon the heartstrings. I mean, even the court of law, I would worry that. When you say plays upon the heartstrings, people Mm. always say to me, off the record, tell me, don't you decide cases on who you like and who you don't like? Mm. I said, the answer is absolutely not. I never decide a case on who I like or I don't like. And I give the illustration of a lady that was actually so annoying. the way they smell. You judge them purely on smell alone. (laughs) Well, some of them probably do smell. But that only get close enough for me to find out. There you go. You got that. No I haven't got a great sniffer anyway. The, uh, yeah. But the bottom line, Please she was don't she, approach the bench. She started to approach the bench. The bailiff had to grab her one time, and I, I could have thrown her out of the court, obviously, because of her conduct. But I didn't. Because she was smoking And the, hot. the defendant was uh, came in dressed in a nice suit and tie, very professional, whatever. 
And I ruled in her favor. People said, you should have. I said, no, no, no. What she is, however, is what she is. But the facts of this case, the evidence in this case, supported her position. Mm. And she made her burden of proof to my satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, I ruled in her favor. I just think a lot of people would worry that judges like that like you i can't say everybody you, does that that's I really, what i was going to say can't I say that there, there would be um a lot of people would worry that you're in the minority well you know what the, the truth of the matter is it happens more frequently than you think that so you, the, people get hometown we call it hometown somebody knows the judge real well they're around all the time mm -hmm. and that's one of my that's one of my complaints with certain arbitration services they get the same customers all the time. And I use the word customers very loosely. And so you don't get a real true uh, unbiased opinion or result. Right. It just doesn't happen that way. And I and I know as an absolute fact, 100%, that some judges are use their emotions to do what they want to do. And they don't of course. Really, and, and for all the wrong reasons. Some of them work very, very hard. Uh, my friend Jimmy Cato in, in, in Van Nuys will work until 2 o'clock in the morning to make sure he gets it right. And so there are some judges that are very, very hardworking, intelligent, they're in it for the right reason, and there's some that are not. The problem for the public is you don't know which one. I try to give you a little indication of how to... I was going to say it in the book. Yeah, well, you know, uh, there are so many variables in the litigation world, whether it's civil or criminal, and I've been in, bo in both fields. Uh, there's so many var variables that everything is unpredictable. All you can do is educate yourself the best you can on what you got. Absolutely. That's the best you can do. Absolutely. Otherwise, you're... And take advice from people you trust as well. That's always, you know... And to, I always tell people the same thing. When the, What's the first thing you thought of when the process server came over and served you with a summons and a complaint? What was the first thought you had? Just like you said. Fuck. Uh, where, where, where do I go from here? Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. That, that's, that's what I meant. I how meant much, where do we go from How much here? is going to cost me and what's my exposure and can they take my house? Sure. Those are the first questions that you, that you, that you have. Uh, and so the suggestion is take a deep, very, very deep breath for a minute. Ask yourself, isn't this fear and anxiety and uncertainty? Isn't that all ego? Climb in the shower. Have a good uh, cry. Just recognize you're in it. Yeah. This is the reality. This is not the illusion. This is the reality for the moment. Yeah. And so the best way you can do it is as dispassionately as you can. It's very difficult to do that. It's hard, of course. It's hard to remove Oh, very, oh, very hard. Or the same thing when somebody does something wrong to you and you have to sue them. Hmm. Why are you in it? To prove that you were right? That's not a good motivation. If you're in it because you want, you want justice or you want what's fair, that's something else. How far are you willing to go? Hmm. Are you willing to do some of the things like... Like the the I guess it's the ex husband that kind of uh, turned over this uh, tape for this congresswoman. Uh, she was involved with some sexual event to somebody, sure, sure, sure. and uh, boom, she's out of work. What did he do? He basically ruined her her life in mm -hmm. in certain ways, anyway. Yeah, and uh, for what benefit? Strictly an ego. Strictly an ego. And someday, somewhere, he's going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and not realize that the reason it's happening to him is because it's what he did 20 years earlier, sure. 20, 30 years earlier. And you see people like Bill Cosby and Madoff and some of these people that are all sitting it out right now, they were at the top of the world. And many of them got there because they took it from somebody else. Yeah. End of the day, there is pay. 
And you know, so what you're saying is my ex-girlfriend is going to catch up with that. Well, it's not, but it's not your place. Yeah, the, the system will. But take you are care saying categorically, she's going down. Right? I used to tell people the that. universe so is going to take you, her down. You didn't Judge, win. You didn't uh, win here. Dodell, hundred percent certified, approved. She's going down. Well, don't wish, don't, <laughs> don't 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 wish it on her. Just let it be. I don't. I don't. I had to. I had to. I had to do so much work to forgive those experiences and to move beyond them because I realized the only person who was being affected negatively by you. me holding on to that was me. In fact, in the book, I cite from uh, a very well-known uh, psychiatrist and neurologist, uh, Dr. Walter Jacobson, who wrote a book, Forgive to Live. I think it's the title of his book. Mm -hmm. uh, but I like that. It's, it's really good, good. He says, you know, when you forgive, you feel better for yourself. Absolutely. You know, it's a hard process. It's a hard very, process. Oh, though. very difficult, because what gets in the what, what gets in the way? Ego. Your ego. Yeah, yeah. You got to say, you know, who cares who's right and wrong? I, I, I make it a practice, I made it a practice, to always get along with the other lawyers. Yeah. I didn't in the beginning. I was very aggressive and hostile and... I had to whatever you, stick I you, had. How do you haze another? How do you haze another lawyer? What kind of things oh, do you do to throw them off? You make them do things that they don't really want to do, uh, or make them spend money that they don't really want to spend. Right. And uh, they ask for an extension. You say no, even you know the court's going to give him one. Yeah. You make them go to court to get it. I mean, stuff. Never like tripped them up or, as they're walking as they're they approaching. They claim the bench, they got served with papers on a certain date and didn't. Or there's, it goes on and on and on. Yeah. And I've seen it. In fact, I've sanctioned some lawyers in, in, in my court for playing around with the system. Really? Not, yes, I have. And if it's $1,000 more, they have to report it to the bar. I wasn't it was out there freewheeling and doing it on a regular basis. Sure. But when I saw it happen, I sanctioned them, made them pay. Yeah. Doesn't go, money didn't go to me. It went to the other sure, side. Sure, sure, And... Uh, they didn't like that very much. I thought it would serve as a, somewhat of a deterrent for the next time around. But most of the time, they just calculate it in as a cost of business. There you go. So oh, I could tell you stories about the things that some firms have done, the documents that dismissed or were shredded or never appeared. One case, they said that uh, they didn't have the documents anymore because the cat in the storage facility peed on them. <laughs> that was the explanation <laughs> for that one. But the, there's always, this, or he doesn't work here anymore. You call, always oh, out to lunch. I mean, this is the stuff that goes I had, on. I had a momentary, a small win, small victory, a TV uh, show that I did called Com uh, Confessions of a Sex Addict. And it was uh, an immersive documentary about sex addiction. Because um, I used to be quite a prolific whore judge back in the day. And um, I did this documentary and the production company who I made it with, we had a contract um, in which it stipulated that any sales, further sales of the program to any other distribution companies or to any other networks, they would have to pay me 15% of the price, you know, the amount that was, the profits that was it was sold for. And uh, I changed agents a couple of times, so no one was following up on the payments. And I realized recently, and maybe last year, oh, I, I think I'm probably owed quite a bit of money. And I reached out to them. In fact, I reached out to one of their distribution companies first. And I said, hey, hi, my name's Jeff Leach. I am presenter of this program. I'm one of the, uh, one of the, uh, the owners of the IP and blah, 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 blah. And just wanted to get a list. Anyway, fortunately, the woman who was happened to be on in the office that day took everything I said at face value, obviously checked out my information. And she sent me a long list of all the sales they'd made. 
and then I emailed the production company and said, uh, you owe me quite a bit of money because this program over the last, this is over nine years. This program has been aired over nine years, multiple times on multiple networks across the thing. This is, these are the ones that I'm aware of because of the distribution company. Anyway, they're like, oh, uh, from now on, you have to email us directly. Uh, we've told the distribution company you can't speak to them, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, okay, well, that, that's a different issue, but let's not worry about that right now. Um, anyway, it took me a year, but I got my money. And I did that off my own back. And I, and I had to start threatening legal action with equity, you know, it, which is effectively like SAG-AFTRA in the UK. I said, you know, if I, I said the next stage for me is to involve equities lawyers um, to make sure I get my money. But even to this day, I still have to email them every three months say, hey, what are the latest sales? And right now it's difficult to find out because they've stopped me speaking to the distribution company, you know, um, which I'm sure I could, that would be the next stage just to argue with that. But it's amazing how people will try... If you don't, if you're not constantly on top of your game, looking after your own legal and financial safety, people will will screw you. They will screw you at every opportunity. That's why the courts are so busy. That's why they need this and as that's well. That's right? why. Well, that's why people I, need to. Well, need I, to I read like the, to think. I like to think that anybody that's using this book, I'm not saying you're going to read all the chapters. And give, actually, yeah, give me a very a very brief way who. If if people you know obviously I have we have about fifty one thousand unique listeners now to the podcast and you know some viewers on YouTube as well who watch the the uh, the video footage. Um, those people, some some people were going, oh yeah yeah, there's there's some things I could learn, but you know oh, why am I going to read this book over anyone else? What 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 does this do for people? And who who is this aimed at? It's aimed for basically three purposes. Okay. The first, of course, is information for people who just want to know mm-hmm. how does the system work from the inside. You know, we hear terms and we see TV shows and how does it, how does it really work? I object. So informa- I object and I deal with that in the book, by the yeah. way. Uh, nobody's objected to that part of the book. <laughs> but the, uh, the, rea- the reality, that's number one. Number two is I use the stories. The stories are entertaining. So when you read them and the point is, uh, points are easily made, it's the reason why I'm telling the story. And... Uh, by giving them the illustrations and everything, I'm kind of educating them, but I'm also saying to them, if it happened to somebody else, it could happen to you, just as I mentioned a few minutes ago. Yeah. The reality is that it gives you a sense of, rea- of a real reality. And the third is to give you guidelines. If you're in it, what do you do? How do I do such and such? How do what? I just got served with this paper. What does it mean? And we're and, talking. We're talking about a huge. A huge array of different situations. That that sure, a landlord to, tenant, you know, you landlord know. tenant, contract disputes, Co- uh, restraining orders, criminal, um, criminal. Uh, if you've been charged with a crime, yeah, small so claims court, small claims court. Yeah, there's that a lot small of claims court section is really very, very good because most people don't realize they have the same remedies. Oh, not all, in uh, in small claims court as they do in any other court, except it's limited in terms of the amount of recovery and there are no lawyers right and certain things cannot be decided in small claims court but certain things can you talk about cyberbullying and things like that why not why not got a small claims court sure i had a case with a restraining order case where a party came in and had her phone with her <clears throat> wanted to show me what was happening it was a restraining order case and uh there was a picture of a girl sitting on the floor with a beer can in one hand and a gun in the other with a little not too nice comment below it. And I granted the, the restraining order, but 
maybe something could have been moderated with something like that, but it wasn't. And so our jobs really as bench officers is, is to is to neutrally evaluate the situation and keep the emotions out and try to get them resolved. And so that was the purpose of the book. And uh, talking about the chapters in the book, uh, I added some things, article, an article that I wrote, a court of appeal opinion, uh, Supreme Court opinion that I had argued that we won, seven to nothing. You had established new law in California. I have that in there. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the number of pages that's why the book is 300 some odd, but it's really not. It's really like 280 pages. Don't and, tell them that. Don't tell them that. But, you know, it's a great book to have on the, on the shelf. Absolutely. A reference book. Can you get information from Google? You could get basic information, factual information, but it's not going to tell you how to do something. And it's not going to tell you that it, it, the machine, has all those years of experience and what to expect from the various aspects of, of, the, of, the, of the event whatever the event turns out to be. So this is a good reference book to keep on the shelf if you ever need it. Absolutely. Cheaper and easier to read than what you're going to get from a lawyer and, and the mumbo-jumbo that also comes along with it. It's available now? Yeah, on Amazon. On Amazon. Um, it's called From the Trench to the Bench, ladies and gentlemen, uh, written by Judge Herb Dodell. My apologies for mispronouncing your surname at the beginning. Um, 10,000 cases in. You know, argue before the California Supreme Court. And we've done two podcasts together now, and it's been a pleasure yes. both times. Thank you so I, much. I, I, I really, just, just as a kind of a close. Absolutely. I really enjoyed the show we did uh, in, in New York with Sherrod. Yeah. It was fun. And I said to I somebody. I mean, Sherrod Small is a very funny, very funny guy, and he, I, I like he gets a different mix of, of characters on that show. Well, we were certainly three different types of people. Absolutely, yeah. It was interesting doing a show. I haven't seen Ann Coulter since... We um well I've seen her a couple of times in 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 New York we we you know we we see each other at the Comedy Cellar etc and through mutual friends and I've I I mean I think I said to you that time it's it's whilst I find some of her um at least what she claims to be publicly held her publicly held opinions although I think a lot of them are gross general uh, gross exaggerations for for entertainment purposes but even though I find some of those beliefs she has utterly abhorrent i can't deny that she's an incredibly intelligent woman and she's also lovely company she's really lovely company you know what which is problematic for me well (laughs) but you know the bottom line was i was i was telling my wife the same thing i said you know we had time to talk before the show started and and afterwards you know so Mm -hmm. i got a chance to have a one-on-one conversation and my my takeaway was she's fun She's extremely bright. She says things that have a kernel of truth in all of it. Kernel of truth in some. Some of them more than others. Sure. Some of her opinions are, are well-established and gave me an opportunity to think about it. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm fascinated by what's going on here. Yeah. I did my radio show, which is called For the People, uh, on this whole impeachment process right after I did the interview with Ann Coulter. Right. And I've been doing research. Believe it or not, I'm sitting at the desk and I'm doing research now going back and looking at state and federal court cases to kind of predict where we're going with this. Right. And so I'm doing shows on it to educate the public. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're hearing it from somebody who's neutral. Yeah, yeah, and as I said many times, I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, I'm a registered independent. I don't make any real political choices until I hear everything that's admissible other than the hearsay and all the stories right. before I make a determination. That's what the public should do. No quick judgments. Quick judgment is reactive. 
wait and hear it all. And so I've been doing all this research and doing the shows on the, on the subject. And some of the things that Ann said are really true. Right. I, I hadn't thought about it before. Except that bit about how all Mexicans are rapists. That bit. That bit. Well, <laughs> some of the some of the things I, I agree with you. I think she does a, a certain amount of this shock value. You know, absolutely, no absolutely. question about it. But she does it with a smiling personality, and she truly is fun. Yeah, my friends who hate. Oh, I went her, on a date with her. I think I, I think I mentioned it. I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast. We went on a date when I first moved to New York. We went on a date. Went out. We got drunk. We had sushi, and then we ended up. You know, fumbling about with each other in the back of a taxi, New York taxi cab. That was that was that was that was the one night I had out with Ann Coulter, and she was like, "If only we, were, if only I was, you know, you were ten years older, or I was ten years younger." I was like, "All right," and that was it. But we were just, you know, we remained friendly. We remained friendly with each other because, I, like I say, it's it's very it's difficult for me, especially as a man who now uh, is dating a woman of color as well. Who I, and I see so, all the experiences and I hear all the stories of. It, uh, things that she's had to uh, navigate and overcome just to just to find to garner a, an opportunity, let alone the immense success that my girlfriend has. It's it's uh it's interesting now that I, I I go oh well yeah I have to take a little more seriously what people's public um personas are, even if they're exaggerations, even if it's for entertainment value or shock value, it's still. I morally and ethically have to align that with how I, I, the people that I care about and how they, they've been treated, you know? Well, so. it's all very interesting, but keep one thing in mind, a spiritual point, a closing point. Yeah. Is sometimes when things are happening to you, your view is it's really negative and it's hurting you and it's all these other things. Mm -hmm. But there is this ray of sunshine inside of all of that because you're getting a lesson. Absolutely. And sometimes you need to be told in a graphic way, <clears throat> that you need to make a change. Sure, sure. We're also, though, a couple of straight white dudes. We're doing all right. <laughs> I'm not complaining. Yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> we're, we're okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Judge Herb Dodell um, from the Trench to the Bench is available now on Amazon. Pick up a copy of it. Come on, it's coming up to Christmas as well. It's a perfect gift for any of your friends who might have uh, might have some uh, some legal needs right now uh, and also want to expand their spiritual understanding of the the law uh, of this country and the legal system in which you live thank you so much for joining me sir thank you it was great so, yeah absolutely Loved and it. Uh, i hope we'll we'll spend time together again take care guys <laughs>